welcome. There we go, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It is Friday. Nothing's better than some Indiana Jones theme music to start off the day. So here we go. Let's get into today's show, building some community and podcasting the way I like to do it. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business Bros. Here we go. <laughs> Time for James to drop the heat, baby. <laughs> all right, all you business pros out there, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe and drop a review. Help other like-minded business owners find value from our awesome guests while we rise up in those podcast rankings. We'll sincerely appreciate every single one of you for it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on to learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz, schedule your time. Don't forget to follow us on all our social medias at Business Bros Pod. All right, everybody, we're so excited and honored to bring another incredible guest to the Business Bros Pod. Did you know that 79% of all workers leave their jobs due to poor leadership and bad bosses? Today's guest knows it well, and he's spent the last decade and a half leading teams, both large and small. His quality as a leader earned recognition, first as the chief marketing officer for one of the largest Christian churches in the country, then as the vice president of events for the Dave Ramsey organization. Through his leadership, the organization was listed in the Nashville Business Journal's best places to work for eight years straight. Now, along with his Navy SEAL partner, our guest is helping business owners everywhere make their organizations better by making individuals more successful. Tune in to learn how you can identify whether you're the problem or the solution in your business, how to get out of your team's way, and how to take your business to the next level. Joining us today from Culture Force, right here at home in sunny San Diego, host of the Culture Force podcast and author of Hiring, Firing, and Creating an Amazing Team Culture. Welcome to the show, Chris Mefford. All right, Chris, welcome to the program, man. You got a podcast right off the bat, dude. I want to know two minutes, uh, almost three minutes in. What do you think of the show so far? <laughs> this is the wildest podcast ride I've been on ever, and I've been on maybe 30 or 40. So this is great. Nice, I love every dude. second of it. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, like building a culture at work, this is our culture, right? We love to laugh. We love to have fun. We love to drop our movie clips every now and again. Uh, and we love to learn from guests like yourself. So, uh, you know what? I always, let's, let's just start at the beginning, man. Like getting fired, dealing with bad bosses. Like what was that experience like for you? What pushed you into what you're doing today? Well, you know, everybody goes through a time in their life where they're fired or, or they feel like it's time to go and they need to get out and they have to find a way. And uh, there's a good way to do it and a bad way to do it. You know, traditionally, it's always been you're fired. You know, what we see on TV with The Apprentice is you're fired. But the reality is that uh, that's one of the worst ways to do it. Honestly, the rest of the team is paying attention. And when you fire someone out of hand, 
for not sometimes very good reasons or just uh, emotional or whatever it might be, the rest of your team notices and they're paying attention and they freak out a little bit and they tense up and uh, you don't get the best out of your team when you do that kind of stuff. You're talking about like uh, almost setting the example. It reminds me of uh, oh, the Dave Chappelle movie, um, Half Baked, where the guy gets fired and he's like, if you, if you, if you, you're cool, if you, yes. I'm out. Like you don't want that kind of experience when you're letting people go, right? No, never. Although it makes for good TV. It makes for great TV, dude. All right, so how do we build a good community inside our organization? What are some of those key things that you've learned along the way that kind of help kind of, you know, bring the team together and get that buy-in from everybody moving in the same direction? Well, you know, it takes a lot of transparency, a lot of honesty. I, I call it radical honesty. Some people call it communication. Uh, but I feel, I feel like if you're radically honest about where everyone stands and, and where people need to improve and where the good stuff is and where the bad stuff is. What you need to do is just treat people like they're not in the fifth grade and only give them the good news and avoid the bad news or vice versa. And you start treating them like adults, you'll see a tremendous change within your organization almost overnight. What about like flexibility? Cause I mean, it's one thing to, you know, let them kind of be adults, but the other part is we have to have a direction. Like you can't just let them go willy nilly and do their own thing and, and assume that adults are going to act like adults. Cause I'll be honest, man, I, I, I don't think I mentally started or stopped aging after like 25. I think that's, that's it. Like that's my mentality. I'm just stuck at that young age, no matter how old I'm getting. Well, there's energy there that comes with that. And you know, I think uh, if you've got a team, that you're constantly having to motivate or, or you're frustrated with, then you have to ask yourself where you're making a mistake. Are you, you're probably doing it when you're hiring. Sometimes we hire too fast. You've heard this phrase, hire fast, fire fast. Well, that's probably one of the worst things you can do for your organization. When you hire slow, you take your time, you find better candidates, you find more committed candidates. And when you fire slow, it puts the onus on you to hire better. Uh, in addition to the fact that it, it shows your team that you're not gonna just weed people out on an emotional whim from time to time. You, uh, he ain't lying. And you ain't lying, that's for sure. You mentioned uh, community, and I'm sorry, uh, communication and that uh, that honest communication. Can you give me some examples of what kind of honesty are we talking about? Because, I mean, some of them can get us into some sexual harassment lawsuits going on. You don't want to be <laughs> too honest in everything. What kind of honesty are we talking about? Well, you know, I think uh, as a leader, and this is part of the structure uh, that I'm passionate about most, and that, this whole whole concept that I believe leadership is overrated from top to bottom. And honestly, the biggest issue in leadership is leaders try to add too much value to what they do and where they work. They spend all their time focusing on what they can do instead of what the team can do. Mm -hmm. And so when you're honest with yourself, you can't just do it on your own. You have to bring the team along. And when you're honest with the team about the real issues you're personally facing and your distresses you're you're facing up the ladder and down the ladder, your team wants to will come on board and they'll come online and help you and be successful. And so when I say communicate and radically radically be honest. Just tell them what you're struggling with. Tell them where your issues are. Tell them what your frustrations are. Ask them how they would solve the issue. Get them involved. They'll feel engaged and they'll find a way for you to win. Well, you know, there's some masculinity that goes into that. Like all of a sudden it's like, well, I don't know if I want to shed tears. I don't know if I should be talking about, you know, my issues at home. And, you know, my own personal finance is different than, than, than business. Like how, you know, help me clarify the authenticity here. Because on the one hand, you're right. You know, all of a sudden you're vulnerable and you know, people tend to want to help but i think that's human nature but you know but too much authenticity isn't that too much 
Well, I think there's there's a line, right? I mean, I don't need to share with my team where I stand financially on my debts and in taxes or how much I'm paying for a car or whatever it is, or I'm struggling necessarily in this relationship at home or whatever it might be. You know, in a professional way, though, uh, a lot of leaders aren't very vulnerable. They're not honest. And honestly, you bring up a fantastic point, which is exactly what's wrong with leadership these days and why it's overrated, is the fact that when we call something a soft skill, generally what we mean is how we communicate how we emotionally connect with people, how we show empathy for someone, how we uh, congratulate, how we share, how, how open and honest and transparent we can be. We call those soft skills. And just by nature of calling them soft, they, they, they kind of spit in the face, if you will, of everything we traditionally are told about leadership. You need to be strong. You need to be Machiavellian. You need to be like the guys on The Apprentice and just fire people. And the reality is that doesn't work. And here's how we know it doesn't work. 80% of the workforce hates their boss. And mm. not only that, they generally hate the job they're doing because of their boss. They like the organization, they just hate the boss. And it's year in and year out, Gallup does this poll and we find the same stuff. And so I ask you, with the 166 billions of dollars spent this, this this year, let me say that again, $166 billion spent every single year on leadership development in this country, how come everybody still hates their boss? Mm. Losers you know, always whine about their best. Thanks, Sean. Exactly, right? <laughs> we always whine about our best. I remember reading the book, uh, Good to Great, and it talked about the different quality uh, qualities of different leaders. And uh, in today's times, you hear people like Gary Vee saying, you know, your employees, your employees don't work for you. You work for them. That's a different kind of mindset uh, when you talk about, you know, all this leadership training. You having a leader, having a title, having that CEO behind your name gives you that huge ego boost, but it doesn't necessarily just because you call yourself leader mean that people will follow. What does it take to get them to follow? You know what I mean? What does it take for, for a CEO, for a leader to actually be a leader? Well, I mean, ask yourself what your relationships are like in life, your best ones. Are they people who pour into you, that make you better, that communicate with you, that trust you, that can be honest with you, that respect you? Those are the ones personally we did. Why should that be any different at work? It's not like when we walk through the doors at work or turn on our Zoom these days, all mm -hmm. that changes now. We deal with people and how we respect and treat ourselves and want to be treated. And so I think we just put too much onus on the leader. And just the, the title itself, leader, says, I'm the individual that's going to fix everything. Well, the reality is most people think that that's the truth. And they think it's all on them. And they think that they should have this arrogance and this boss and you should do it just because I told you. And they ignore the fact that they have this team that wants to come alongside and help them and build them and change them. And they blame all their problems on the team, but they're the savior of the team. But on the flip side, Chris, like if things go wrong, the buck does stop with the leader, right? At the end of the day, when things do not, um, you know, you're, you don't meet, re, uh, when you do not meet a certain metric, when you don't have a certain goal that, that you have for your team and something happens, ultimately the leader is blamed. So it's kind of a catch 22. Yeah, you do, you know, they're on the one side, you want to make sure your team's meeting that, that goal and you're supporting them and, and, and you want to be as vulnerable as you can. But on the flip side, it ends up being your fault. Everything is good and bad. <laughs> Well, right. When I when I pick a fight with leadership and I'm saying leader is the leader's overrated, generally what I'm speaking, our concept of leadering is, is broken. And the, it is the tip of the spear with the leader, but the leader is taking on too much responsibility himself or herself. 
to fix things and do things and build things. They ultimately are responsible, but how they achieve what they're supposed to and how the team comes on board to help them achieve and lead what they're supposed to, that's really what's at play here. And so obviously the leader does take a lot of responsibility in what they do. It's just, I believe we have a misguided concept of what that role needs to be. I want to dive a little bit more into the into the honesty here because we live in a very sensitive society where if I say something, somebody's automatically going to be offended, right? I'll give you an example. I got some hate on my TikTok today because I, I, you know, I was listening to the radio and I heard, I think it was like a Cialis commercial and they make the, you know, the drug sound like it's all amazing. And then at the very, very end, they're like, side effects could be right. Diarrhea, death, whatever it is, all that stuff. And so what I said was, you know, I was like, okay, look, isn't it weird how every medication that we advertise has um, has side effects that we have to promote. But when you talk about the COVID vaccine, that has they don't have to talk about side effects. I was just pointing something out. But in my comment section, you're an idiot. You're doing all this stuff. Like all, all of a sudden I started getting some hate on there. People are so sensitive. If I'm having a conversation with my employee and I'm trying to help them by critiquing or by helping analyze whatever the situation is, what happens when they get offended? How do I protect myself or how do I make the, the communication clear so I'm not being offensive, I'm trying to build you up or solve your problem. Yeah, I, I, I've heard those commercials too. And um, these days, I think we're trying to figure that out. Everyone's offended, it seems, about everything. And you can find a reason to cancel just about anything that's out there. And so that's why I think what I'm talking about as far as leadership goes and building relationships and really developing your soft skills. And that's the future of leadership. And that's the future of the most successful kind of leader there is today. Is when you have that relationship, people genuinely understand where you're coming from. If you walked into someone and said, do this or don't do that, and they might be offended and you got no relationship, they're going to be able to, you know, depending on what side you're on, gaslight you and work you up or, or you're able to gaslight them and, and work them down into an issue. But that's why it's so important for your team to understand that where you genuinely stand and that you're honorable and, and ethical and trustworthy. And maybe sometimes you say something that they don't agree with, but they can get on board with the fact that the goals and the kind of person you are doesn't represent exactly what they're frustrated with. But that being said, who knows these days? <laughs> Dude, everything's changing. Everything's changing. COVID has made a lot of shifts in the workplace. For example, for many companies, there is no workplace, right? And for many companies, uh, ours included, we have VAs, we have people across the globe that are helping us in our organization today. Do Are the qualities that you're talking about here, some of the same strategies in building that community and building your organization, do they apply even when we have to cross borders and cross cultural barriers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I was on the phone today with a company from New Zealand and, you know, we spent the first five or 15 minutes actually uh, just talking about people we may know, organizations, you know, things that they like about our country, things that we found interesting or funny about their country. And, you know, we're just trying to break down these barriers of we don't know who they were so we could try and, try and build a relationship. I want to go back to what you just said about we canceled. I reminded of a story. I was sitting around on a team once in the boardroom a couple of years ago. And I was instead of calling people by their name, I was calling them from where they're from. You know, like, thank good job, Philadelphia. Excellent work, Ohio. Nice job, Africa. Um, and the HR called and said, hey, we have a, a complaint against you. And I was like, what? Someone is offended because you said they were from Africa. And and I was, I mean, flabbergasted. I didn't know how to respond because... <laughs> 
technically you're right. You know, if you go to HR and say someone's being a racist, they said that I'm from Africa. Um, how do you respond to that when you're having fun with everybody in the room? Um, and I don't, you know, forgive me, my geography is a little bad. I wasn't quite sure what country or state they were from. So I just picked the, the continent. Um, and, and they weren't offended by the continent. They were more offended this. And I was terrified, honestly, because, you know, I don't want to be labeled like that. And we were all having fun. And eventually the, the whole issue got smoothed over and everybody understood it was a misunderstanding. But, you know, this cancel stuff and offensive stuff, that's really threatening to the entire organization and the heart of how it works. Uh, um, and it can really bring you down or lift you up and you've got to work through it these days. And so we really have to figure out ways to get around this kind of stuff. Well, but see, I think I think the the best situation there or the best outcome there was that it got smoothed over um, that whatever the offense was, it wasn't intentional, but it was he it was taken head on. It didn't kind of get swept under the rug. You didn't there was no animosity that kept getting built over time. Like your your company at that point or the, the company at that point had a, a process in place. Right. So, you know, uh, what I'm what I'm getting at here is. When you have these things that are that are in place, do they help with your organization for when somebody gets a little offended or, or a misunderstanding happens like we did, like you're describing here? Yeah, I think what you need is have people in place in your organization. And I realize it's easier at the top than if you're just working for someone that is kind of on the same level and fits with your culture. Now, ultimately, that person that was offended, they needed to leave the organization. We didn't fire them for that, but we did let them go eventually. And I was way more guarded. Because ultimately, they didn't fit within the organization what we're doing. And so the cult, they didn't fit in the culture. They didn't necessarily fit with who we were. Not that we had a relationship where we needed it. We wanted to fight against canceling everything. And we, you know, we were just off the hook on all everything. But it was just clear that we didn't need that kind of drama in, in our organization. And so sometimes you have to say, hey, as HR specifically, hey, what's the common sense thing here? What's my gut say versus what corporate... Uh, workbooks or, or compliance says we should do. And I think, honestly, we've lost the sense of corporate um, common sense when it comes to all this stuff. And, and we're, we're relying too much on corporate compliance. And, and it's really just a menacing thing because when it's like a lawyer. When you ask a lawyer what you should do, they're going to say, Sue, you know, everything to a hammer is a nail. And oftentimes everything to HR is a problem. And um, our HR departments across the country have kind of lost a good sense of who they are and what reality needs to be for us to move forward in some of these situations. Dude, I totally agree. I feel like we forget that. I, I don't know. I personally believe that most people are good, that most people have just an intention Absolutely. to do good by other people. And, and when you talk about losing that common sense, we lose the fact that we're all human here, right? We, we complicate things so much. We complicate the corporate structure, the HR process. I'm offended, what I can do, what I can say. We start to sensitize ourselves and that could take away from a, a community and from a, a culture and a company altogether. Um, you started to take a lot of what you were doing and kind of you're, now you're the managing director of a, of a tech company, right? Can you tell me a little yes. bit about that? Yeah, so we do uh, mobile apps and digital platforms all over the world from HP and Tel Aviv to the NFL is using one of our platforms for its nonprofit um, fundraising stuff. So uh, we have built that 
into the, uh, this large entity. But I'll tell you what, I've got two groups, a group here in San Diego and a group in Idaho. And it has been a fun challenge to kind of bring those two groups together. Uh, I've been there for about seven months and rebuild this kind of culture that was really good to begin with. But how do you scale it and grow in two different locations? And it's been a lot of great, um, exciting times figuring it all that out. How's the uh, podcast playing to all of that? Has it helped? Has it hindered? How, How has podcasting helped you? Yeah, well, you probably know as well as I, we've had so many amazing um, leaders on from the global head of uh, Burger King to United States congressman and just asking their perspective on leadership and what they've been doing or how they handle these situations. And, and they give you their advice and, and it's good stuff generally. You know, one of the things I, I take away is we had somebody say, hey, um, how would we run this business if we truly love the customer? If we truly love the customer, how would we run it? Every business should focus on three things, the mission, the purpose, and the team. 99% of the do the first two really well. You know, okay, the focus, the mission, the purpose, and the team. Um, you know, when you when you mention some of the people that you've had on the show, some of these great leaders, some people in high, you know, political office, uh, no matter what they say, half of the people are going to hate them, right? Half people are going to love it. Half people are going to hate it. Um, they're going to get that slack, you know, but having that focus, that mission, that purpose, that team that they're going to focus on, that focus is what continues to drive them in a certain direction, right? That is their their North Star. That's their compass, right? Am, am I hearing you correctly? Yeah. And I would even add, here's where we missed the point. There's a lot of conversation out there about team culture, but here's the one thing that we generally miss. And, and my partner, Kyle, and I are writing on a book and it's called Leadership is Overrated. And the whole premise is you're missing the point. All this drives the revenue. When the team's excited, when the team's engaged, when the team is feels like they're valued, they create more opportunity and more money. When you're more empathetic as a leader, you actually generate more money within your organization because people feel more uh, excited about coming in every day and being a part of something bigger than themselves. They don't feel like a cog in the wheel and everything you do drives the revenue. And that's what this book is going to show. And I wish more people talked more about that side of the ball than just making people feel good and putting ping pong tables in the lunchroom. Yeah. We, we, one of our sayings, right? Your purpose in life is to be of service to others, but your business's purpose is to make a profit. Like you you can't separate the two. Yes, you want to be great leader for your team. Yes, you want to make sure your customers are completely satisfied. But at the end of the day, the only reason the business itself exists is to increase the revenue and increase that bottom line. Yeah, if you think about it, when 70% of the workforce in the United States is not engaged, they don't like their boss and they're not engaged. How much profit do you think they're generating for your company and your organization? Mm-hmm. Year after year. This is why this leadership concept is broken. It's a class structure gone bad. Mm, that's that's kind of accountability. Like that's the thing that pops into my mind all the time, right? Accountability. Like at some point, you need to realize that you know what? If you hate your Fridays and you I'm sorry, you love your Fridays and you hate your Mondays, if you don't want to go to work every single day, like you know, why are we waiting for our boss to fire us? Why are we waiting for something else to happen? Why can't we have that own accountability of ourselves to say, you know what? This isn't for me. I I've seen TikToks where they're like, you know what? Don't ever do overtime. Don't ever do more than you're asked to do. 
only do the bare minimum at your job. In my mind, I'm thinking, what the hell? Like, you're literally telling yourself not to excel at something, not to learn something, not to better your yourself? Your professional career that you spend more time at than anything else you do yes. in probably your entire lifetime. Yes, exactly. And you're telling people not to be good at something. Don't give it your best. Don't give it your all. Only show up for that paycheck. You know, it's, it's like I'm telling you, I'm telling employees to do their bare minimum. Look, I get it. Nobody's going to work as hard as the owner. I understand that. There's a little bit difference. But when you build a team the right way, when you motivate them, when you get the buy-in, who's to say how much your employees can benefit and grow from the opportunity that you're presenting to them, right? Right. And who wants to work at a place where you, you don't feel valued like that? You know, I think the whole reason I started this journey was I got lucky and worked for a couple of great organizations early on. And then when I left and transitioned to another career in other areas, um, it wasn't like that. And I was like, oh, you guys, you know what? If you just do this, everything could be better for everybody. And they're like, whatever, we're busy doing this. And so they were just happy to churn and burn through team members. And they would constantly complain that nobody's loyal these days and that it's hard to find good workforce. And this is just the way it is. And you'd be like, hey, I think we could fix this, whatever. I'll tell you what, prove it to me. I'll put you with the worst department in the entire company, see what you can do. Four years later, that same man said, you took the worst department of the company and made it the very best. There's mm. a, a, a story that my buddy Kyle tells and it's from uh, Jocko Willick's book. He's a Navy SEAL. And it's about how they were doing training and they were carrying these boats over their head. And, and this team kept coming in last. And there was that same team kept coming in first. And they took the first place team leader and put him on the last place team. And they switched it up. And that last place team leader took his team all the way to the first. Now you may go, Chris, see the leader is important. But it wasn't the leader could have done it on himself. He had to bring that team along and those team weren't engaged and the team didn't care about the person who was carrying the boat as the type of the spear. And so when he came on board, he fixed everything. And so we don't pour enough into our team. We treat them like garbage. We tell them they have to come in when they're sick. We don't give them any maternity leave that compared to the rest of the world. Six weeks is ridiculous or eight weeks or whatever it is. Maybe it's 12. I don't know. Um, <laughs> even that's ridiculous. You know, um, and so you, you, you're going to bring mom back in three months and go, all right, get back at it. We know mentally you're prepared for this. Good job. Work hard. She's going to love me for it, my organization because we treated her that well. It's just, you know, it's a load of bunk that we're being told. And, and I don't understand why businesses from the top to bottom are buying into it because it's creating a disengaged workforce and it's limiting their ability to make money and turn profit and grow and be innovative. You know, uh, the book you're mentioning is Extreme Ownership. Great book, by the mm -hmm. way. Uh, I'm sorry, Extreme Leadership, right? Extreme, Extreme. Leadership. And, uh, and you know, when, when you talk about why are they being adopted, I think it's because of the short-term payout. Like, you know, it's almost like you can, you can drill people into a process and procedure, but they burn out after a while. And that's where you get that turnover. Uh, but the immediate results are great. It's like, this is what you do. A, B, C, D, do it every single day. And then all of a sudden they get, they get drawn out and bored. You think it has to do with, you know, the, the short-term results versus the long-term play? Cause companies like Costco, in and out like i mean these companies have lower turnover than their competitors in a very similar industry yeah well i think in and out and chick-fil-a those organizations feel you know how they get a teenager to put on a belt and say it's my pleasure i mean think about that it's because they're teaching them sort of the right way this is how we know people get engaged we are we engage with our customers we're respectful we appreciate it because back to what i said how would we treat this business if we actually loved our customers 
And it goes along with the fact that when you value people and they'll do stuff for you that they probably won't do for anyone else. Mm, reminds me of Disney, man. Everybody at Disney goes through a certain training. Some of the best employees. Enterprise has some of the best training for employees as well. I mean, some great people come out of those companies. The organization and the structure built within is the key, right? It's, it's how you it's how you build your people. Uh, Chris, before we finish up, because we're getting low on time, what are we going to find when we go to cultureforce.team? And, uh, and, and when we go, where can we find your podcast? Well, you find podcasts on iTunes, well, actually anywhere, Spotify or, or Google Play. Um, it's called cultureforce.team. And uh, it's with my buddy, Kyle Bucket. He's a retired Navy SEAL. And uh, we talk about this very thing. You know, how do companies at the top that have amazing culture and generate tons of revenue, um, what do they have in common? And what do you do with the Navy SEALs who are one of the highest achieving teams uh, that we know of in the U.S. military and quite frankly, probably the entire world? And so how do they get buy-in? Kyle will tell you, they tell this story where they train where three minutes in, three months in, three weeks in, they kill the leader and say, okay, now what do you guys do? So mm. what happens when the leader's dead? How does the team go on? What do you do? How do you fix it? You got to accomplish the mission. And so when you get a team that bought in, everybody knows each other's functions and what they're doing, you can't help but succeed. You can't help but create a magnet culture that everybody wants to join. Yeah, that reminds me of the uh, the Belichicks and the and the Tom Brady's. Although now we split them up, and all of a sudden one succeeds and one doesn't. Who was the true leader on the team, right? Who was the one you know pushing forward and taking a team that probably didn't have as many uh, as much talent, and all of a sudden became uh, Super Bowl champions? You're right. The leader uh, gets a lot of that shiny trophy syndrome, but they're also some of the most humble and some of the most uh, you know. They, again, one of the things I remember le- reading in. Um, in uh i forgot the name of the book already bread i just told you about it earlier uh good to great great. there you go good to great is that some of those ceos would spend so much time before they actually became ceo they would spend time in every department sitting watching observing learning asking talking to every employee in in the organization so they can get idea of the culture of how things operated before they made their first you know order or whatever that you know direction that they were going to go in they got and gained an understanding of that organization and it's powerful because it happens in sports i'm sure it happens in in almost any organization in the military like you there's a difference when a leader comes in and really has that empathetic feel that gets to know their team and their their people right well, I mean, you mentioned Disney. They make the CEO and, and the leaders put on the costume and, and walk through the Disney World and do a day as uh, one of the characters. Um, I, we interviewed Jeff Campbell, I mentioned earlier, for Global Head of Burger King. He was trying to figure out where he was going to go in the organization. He was in the marketing department. And he said he really wanted to go up. And they said, well, you need to quit the executive offices if you want to move up. And he's like, what? They're like, you need to go run a store. They're not going to ever elevate anybody in this organization that has no idea how to run doesn't have any idea how to run a store. And he mm. said he got there and he realized how dumb some of their marketing things were. Like they had given whistles and and bells and stuff and some of the kids' toys. And he said it drove me bat crazy. I don't know if we can swear on the show. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, he said, I we never did that again. But had I not gone and worked in the store for five years, I would have never been head of global Burger King. We talked to a guy who was working at uh, a massive conglomerate pet store and he would go in just to check it out. He was one of the HR guys. And he realized that when the new inventory came in, some of these big heavy uh, dog food things, they'd come on skids. And instead of pulling the old ones out and put them on top, 
they would just stack them on. And he's like, hey, you're not supposed to do that. Why are you doing that? And he said, those are heavy. They don't give us any help to lift. So mm. when the new ones come in, we're just, it's either just to set them on top. And so he's like, I, we went back and changed that. But had you not gotten into the store and figured that out? Um, I mean, that's just common. You've got to get out of the office and walk around. You know, I had a gal that was working for me and she's like, I didn't even know these guys were going away on a site visit when we were doing events. And I was like, Heather, you literally sit between the two of them. Are you not paying attention at all? Um, <laughs> how could you sit between two people and not know they're going to be gone for four days on a site visit? Pay attention. Get into the work. Get up and walk around and get out of your office. Get with the people. The people are the ones who make the biggest difference. All right, Chris. Hey, man, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, we're big on helping customers uh, create video testimonials. So I'm going to ask you for one. Uh, what did you think about our production? What did you think about our podcast uh, and your experience on the show? This is the wildest and most entertaining podcast I've ever been a part of. It's the most professionally looking and run um, group of people and podcasts that I've been able to share my wisdom with as well as it's been a lot of fun. Dude, thank you very much. I'm gonna give you the the, uh, the framework. It's pretty basic, uh, and I, I use it for relationship building. Maybe you can tell me if it if it's any of the criteria that you're using to create community. Uh, when you came aboard, the first thing we did was we told you how awesome you were because uh, we did a little bit of homework, and uh, the fire intro that James wrote was all about how awesome you were. Then we sat around for a little while, and I asked you to share some more of your awesomeness with us because. You just got so much things, so many things going on, so many good experiences. And then we asked you how, what you thought about us. And that's how we created a, a good environment for a great video testimonial. So how cool would it be if you got your customers talking about you uh, the same way you did about us today? It'd be pretty great. No <laughs> doubt about it. Leadership is not about the leader. 100%, 100%. So ladies and gents, that's what it's all about. You're, you're doing a good job already. Look, you're, you're in business because your customers are happy with the work that you do. The problem is they're not talking about you after the deal's over. And that's what a video testimonial does for you. It allows your customers to continue to talk you up so that you can get more repeat business, more referrals, just videotape it. It's a video testimonial and go to businessbros.biz slash testimonials and we can help you with that. Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show, sharing your wisdom. And I hope I'm glad you had fun on the show today. That was great. Thank you very much for having me. All right, ladies and gents. Uh, you know, I, I, and by the way, at the beginning of every show, we asked the guests uh, to put theme music on. And I got to say, Chris, Indiana Jones, man, that was dope, <laughs> dude. I don't think I've ever had anybody go with some Indiana Jones. All right, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great weekend. We'll see you guys again on Monday. Peace out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network www.businessbros.biz.